0: The scripture for this morning is Acts chapter 15 verses 1 through 13. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed up that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe that it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Thank you, God, for your miraculous word that changes us as we hit it in our hearts. Amen.
1: Thank you, Laura. And uh, hey, everybody. Uh, you know, I was thinking there is no place I would rather be today than right here with you. Uh, all of you worshiping here in person, online as well. Uh, you know, I'm not saying I'm counting uh, the, the days, but. Five weeks from today, I will retire. And the way that we Methodists do it, the the outgoing pastor always leaves so the incoming pastor does not live in their shadow. That's good policy. I believe in it. But the hardest part for Tricia and me will be finding a new church. Where are we going to find another faith family like you? We love you. We love our faith groups. We love the way this church serves our neighbors. Now, God will send us somewhere, I know, but we will miss you. And I just want to encourage you don't take for granted what God is doing here at Faith Westwood. Today, I'd like to introduce you to a prayer written by Methodism's founder, John Wesley. It's a prayer for grace. And uh, to do this, I'm going to ask you if you to stand with me if you're able to do so, uh, and today I'm going to give us an opportunity to engage our bodies in this prayer just a little bit. There are five, the prayer's on five slides, and there are five gestures, one for each, and so here are the gestures. Um, the first is just two hands open, one laid on the other, and that's because the last Part of of this section of the prayer is grace upon grace. And then one hand extended open. The other hand extended open. And then both hands on the heart. And then both hands open and out. Okay? So, uh, now, in the middle of the prayer, it has a couple of words that are worth explaining. Justify and sanctify. Okay? When we put our faith in Jesus... He justifies us. It's a kind of a Bible word there. It means that even though we're sinners, God counts our faith as righteousness. And so we are brought into a right relationship with God. We are justified. We put our faith in Jesus. He also sanctifies us, which means that God is making us holy. He changes how we live in our daily lives, what we do, what we say, what we how we think and go through life he makes us holy in practice he we are sanctified so now we're ready to join in this prayer for grace and you can on the on the gestures you can just follow my lead okay oh god seeing as there is in christ an infinite fullness of all that we want or desire May we all receive from him grace upon grace. Grace to pardon our sins and overcome our iniquities. Grace to justify us and to sanctify our souls. And grace to complete that holy change, that renewal of our hearts, which will enable us to be transformed Into the blessed image in which you created us. Make us all acceptable to be partakers of the inheritance of your saints in light. Amen. You may be seated, and uh, we will pray that same prayer throughout the month of May, so you'll get more acquainted with it. Uh, John Gottman is America's foremost marriage relationship researcher. He says, as we know, conflicts happen in every marriage. He says healthy marriages put a priority on repairing relationships and resolving their conflicts. And Gottman then tells us how these healthy couples do it. If you've ever read any of his books. Uh, It can be a challenge, but the results are rewarding. It's the same with churches. Conflicts happen. Healthy churches put a priority on repairing their relationships and resolving their conflicts. Again, it can be challenging, but the results are rewarding. And, of course, we at Faith West, we've been through some big challenges here in the last year. There has been some conflict, but for the most part, we have hung together through it. You know, I, I, so many people today hop from one church to another. They're church hoppers and church shoppers. I know uh, after uh, we talked about in my, in my family text string, uh, we talked about how, well, we're going to have to find a new church. And so my brother says, oh, so you'll be church shopping. And my nephew replied, oh, so you're going to buy one? <laughs> anyway, but I do know this. Stability is vital if we want to become deep, daring, daily disciples. Stability is so important. The relationships that you build here are so valuable. And only for the most egregious violations of conscience, in my view, should a person uh, leave their faith family. Today we are Uh, In week four of our series, The Adventure, and we are following the Apostle Paul on his three missionary journeys, Uh, we have a theme verse for this series, and it is Acts 13, verse 4. So uh, let's say it together, shall we? The two of them were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, and that's where our adventure begins as well, that when we are sent on our way by the Holy Spirit. Today's message is settle your disputes. You know, sometimes we, I think we idealize the, the churches in the Bible assuming, wow, they, they must have had it all down. They were perfect. But they weren't. You know, the reason that we have most of the New Testament is because these churches had problems. That's why somebody sat down and wrote a letter to them. So let's, let's open our Bibles to Acts chapter 15. Uh, I remember many years ago, uh, we had friends who were in kind of a cult-like church that taught Christians uh, that they were not allowed to eat pork or other foods forbidden in the Old Testament. I remember one evening, uh, they invited us to a dinner and art show at their church. So we went along just to support them. And, I, of course, I joked that we brought the ham sandwiches and pork and beans. <laughs> Anyway, while we were there, the husband uh, began telling me again how wrong it is to eat pork. And I replied, well, I don't know how you can square that with the decision made by the Jerusalem council in Acts 15. He had no reply, which was nice. (laughs) Eventually, the couple left that church. I mention this because it's important to know what happened at the Jerusalem council in Acts 15. Do you know? Anyway, Paul and Barnabas have have just completed their first missionary journey, made that big loop, returned to Antioch of Syria, and that's where this conflict erupts. Acts 15, verse 1. Certain people, I don't know who they were, certain people, came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. These people were saying, you may believe in Jesus, you may have been filled with the Holy Spirit, but if you are male and uncircumcised, you are not saved. You are not justified or sanctified in the eyes of God. You must become a full Jew if you want to be a Christian. Paul and Barnabas disagree. Verse 2, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. By the way, in Bible geography, do you know that Jerusalem is always up? And away from Jerusalem is always down. You know, they don't do it like we do, kind of north and south that way. Jerusalem is always up. Anyway, so they assemble in Jerusalem and the debate begins. Verse 5. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Now, remember... That all of these elders and apostles in Jerusalem are Jewish Christians. The question here is what will be required of Gentile Christians? In the, not just in Jerusalem and, and Antioch, but in all, all the places that the gospel gets shared. What's God want us to do? Verse 7. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers... You know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. Now, Simon Peter is talking about what happened in Acts chapter 10, where the the Holy Spirit led him to the home of this God fearing Gentile uh, named Cornelius, and along with his friends and family who were there. And as Simon Peter was telling them about Jesus, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began to spontaneously praise God even in languages they had not learned it was a sign that through faith in Jesus God was now claiming Gentiles as well as Jews to be his people they were justified and sanctified Peter says in verse 9 Remember that? God did not discriminate between us and them for he purified their hearts through faith. And I can imagine Peter adding, you know, how many of us have ever broken the command to keep the Sabbath? All of us. How many of us have coveted what belongs to our neighbor? All of us. He said, circumcision did not give us the power to live a righteous life. So why are we now going to require it of our Gentile sisters and brothers? Verse 11, no. We believe that it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. And then Peter sits down, and and Paul and Barnabas come up, and, and everybody listens as they tell about the signs and the wonders that God did on their missionary journey among the Gentiles. Verse 13, when they finished, James spoke up. Who is James? By the way, this is not James, the disciple, uh, the son of Zebedee, the brother of John. He's already been mar- martyred by this time. This is James, one of Jesus' younger brothers. James is now the head elder of Jesus' people in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And as the head elder of Jewish Christians, you might expect him to say, well, we're not going to water down Jesus' movement by giving up these things from the Old Testament. They didn't call it that. From, from, From the law of Moses. Surprisingly, he does not say that. Let's see what he does say in verses 13 to 15. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophet are in agreement with this, as it is written. And then he quotes from the prophet Amos about how the tent or the reign of David will extend to the Gentiles. And then he gives his decision in verses 19 and 20. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the gentiles who are turning to God instead we should write to them and tell them to abstain from food polluted by idols from sexual immorality from the meat of strangled animals and from blood you know I look at that list and I go okay of all the things that he could have told them to abstain from why did he pick these seems like an odd collection to me Now. Of course, we also know that there are, are many Old Testament commands that line up with Jesus, right? Not all of them, but a lot of them, uh, that we don't get rid of, like caring for widows and orphans and loving your neighbor as yourself and honoring your father and mother and not stealing, not committing adultery and many more. James here responds, like I think, like a pastor to his people. And he's talking to them, okay, here's how... We need to be faithful to God and also faithful to each other. Here's how I understand what James is saying. He's saying, Gentile Christians, if you want to win the respect of your Jewish brothers and sisters who don't know Jesus yet, if you want to be a good witness for Christ, don't go to pagan temples anymore because if you do, it looks like you're worshiping idols Don't go there and and eat the meat of a sacrificial animal or drink its blood or eat meat with the blood still in it or engage in temple prostitution, other forms of sexual immorality. Interestingly, these are things that Jewish synagogues already required of Gentiles who started worshiping with them. These These were the minimum requirements already set in place so james is saying if you want to get along with the jewish people you're gonna have to do a few of these you're gonna have to watch yourself james speech carries the day and the jerusalem council decides uh, you don't know you don't have to become a jew to become a christian Uh, you don't have to obey all the old testament the jewish restrictions such as eating pork not eating pork but once you are justified by faith in Jesus make sure that you're also sanctified by faith in him live a holy life he said so don't go to the to the to the pagan temples that you used to go to even though this is a community festival and if you don't go every all your neighbors are gonna think well why didn't they show up are they too good for us now they wonder why you stop coming but you can't do that. This is not your life anymore. He's saying, you used to be sexually promiscuous like everybody else you know, but that's not your life anymore either. And that's how they settled the first major conflict among Jesus' people. Just the first of many, right, through the centuries. When James wrote uh, the letter to the sisters and brothers in Antioch about this decision, he, he described it like this. He said, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. I just kind of like how that, the interplay of that. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Now, later in Acts 15, we learn of another conflict. Paul and Barnabas, you know, they, they are such a great team, Right? They are, they are the Batman and Robin of Christian mission. You know, you, you just can't imagine having them split up. Uh, anyway, they start making plans to go and visit all the sisters and brothers in the churches that they had started on their first journey. Barnabas wants to take his younger cousin, John Mark. The problem is, John Mark abandoned them on their first tour. He went part way, and then he went home, back to Jerusalem. And uh, Paul says, no way I want to take him. I want to take this kid. He left us last time. He went home to Mama. He's unreliable. I don't trust him. Barnabas, always the encourager, which is what his name means, wants to give John Mark a second chance. Acts 15.39 says, They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. That's shocking. I don't know who was right. Uh, Maybe they were both right in some ways, and maybe they were both wrong in some ways in how they handled it. But to me, their sharp disagreement also seems like a, a clash of egos. It's sad to see them part ways. And yet, here's the wonderful part of it: God continued to work in these flawed people for the good of the gospel. Barnabas takes John Mark and they head back to the island of Cyprus where Barnabas is from. Paul chooses Silas to be his mission partner. And next Sunday we're going to we're going to go with them on their on Paul's second missionary journey. But you know it's the same with us. Even when our conflicts are not fully resolved. Sometimes even when we have to heart company, God keeps working for the good of the gospel, working through us, sometimes in spite of us. You know, it does, it does make us sad that we've lost a few people here at Faith Westwood, but we, we also have to respect their conscience in doing so. And yet God continues to work for good, for the good of the gospel in us and them let's pray thank you thank you good and kind father that you do not give up on us uh, even when we are your conflicted children and Lord we ask that you will continue to sanctify us make us holy by your word and spirit Lord Jesus just as You have been building your church throughout the world. We ask that you will continue to build us as your church, your people, and send us out on the adventure of your mission. Holy Spirit, lead us through our conflicts. Help us to listen to each other well. Help us to arrive at decisions that are grounded in truth, And faithfulness. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.